Thank you so much for tuning into the Hunt Backcountry podcast today. This is episode number 224, and it is part two in the Pack Essentials series. The topic today is food, water, and related gear that goes in your pack for backcountry, backpack-style hunting. Steve and I discuss these topics, the gear that we use for water filters, cooking equipment, and more, and also dive into the common foods that we take, both for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, and everything in between. So if it's related to food, water, or the backcountry, we hit those topics today in this series of Pack Essentials. Don't forget you can hit subscribe to receive future episodes. There's more to come in this series. And go back and check out part one if you haven't already, where we discussed shelters and sleeping systems. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in and sharing your feedback. If you have any questions for us, topic suggestions, or anything like that, you can contact us via email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. And if you're enjoying the show, we would love to see a review from you in iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this. All right, let's dive right into this discussion, part two on the Pack Essentials series. All right, Steve, so we're going to continue the Pack Essentials series. Um, Today we're talking about food and water and cooking and all of that related gear. Um, Certainly important topic. Anytime, you know, we talk about living out of our pack, whether it's for a couple days or a week or what have you, water is going to be key, food's going to be key. Um, Again, these are things we've hit uh, probably in passing on previous episodes in terms of the details here, but it'd be good to kind of to recap and take a cohesive look at these aspects um, of pack essentials. So let's kick things off with water. Um, guys, if they've heard the podcast, have probably heard what we do for water, but go ahead and just dive into first things first, your choice for filtration, um, and then why you've chosen that and continue to use it for, for years now. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, Sawyer squeeze filter is what I use, been using for a long time. Um, it's lightweight, exceptionally simple and just phenomenal. I mean, they're cheap. I basically use, I mean, um, I think it's, I can't remember what the Sawyer micro is. I just pulled it up right now. Just trying to look Price for wise? it. Um, they're like, yeah, 25 bucks. I think. Yeah. I was going to say maybe 30 new micros. Oh yeah, twenty eight ninety five on REI. Um, I basically use one a year, right? Like, I think you could reuse it longer if you want to be super diligent about back flushing it. Um, but for twenty eight bucks a year, use it all season. Um, I usually throw my uh, last year's one in my mountain biking little pack that I wear. So when I'm out biking and you know in the summer and I come across a creek, I can add some more water to my water bottle. Um, yeah, they're just awesome. Um, there's plenty of, you know, obviously traditional things going to be a pump, something by Katadin, uh, MSR, um, you know, those are going to be a little bit more heavy. Uh, typically they're really slow too. I mean, um, and you got to sit there and pump out of the Creek. So you got to find a water source, drop the, the pre-filter or the tube into the water, sit there and pump. And, and I remember, you know, when we first started backpacking, that's kind of what we had. And, um, it's just like, a 
coming to a creek is like a half an hour ordeal, you know, by the time you, you filter all, all your water. Um, and then uh, you've obviously got, you know, your, your iodine tablets, um, stuff like that that you can do, which can be effective. I used to always carry a couple um, in my pack is, is just a backup source, you know, the aqua tabs, I think is what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just as, yeah, as a backup case, in case my filter or something happened, you know, I have the same, but I think I'm, my tablets are probably like 12 years old at this point because <laughs> I bought them to carry them as a backup <laughs> and have never used them. And I think there's still some like randomly floating around in my gear somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you've got the SteriPen type stuff, which is, uses like a UV light to, to kill things. So, which I, there's a handful of people using that, right? You fill up an algae bottle, uh, you drop that in there and it's got to run for, I can't remember if it's, is it 60 seconds, 90 seconds? There's some, some of them have a light indicator that turns on and off that tells you that, that your time is up. And, um, you know, those can be effective. I've, I had one, um, early on when they first came out. Um, and we, uh, just battery life, any, like something, something to me that's completely essential. Uh, the fact that it runs off a battery is pretty scary to me just, you know, cause it has a limit. I mean, if, so you got stuck back there for 10 days, uh, your battery's going to die at some point. Right. So it's like, how many spare batteries do you need to pack? Um, to me, you know, it's, uh, um, easier just to have a, the, you know, the Sawyer filter that's never gonna, you know, have any issues. Right. So. Um, not, not that it's, I've never had an issue. It could be, um, you know, I guess something could pop, pop up and cause an issue for you. But I guess, yeah, you also asked why, right? Um, yeah. So that to me, the benefits of, of this system is, um, just simplicity, right? So you you basically have, um, whether you use a, an algae as your main water source, water container or a bladder, um, you're going to have a dirty water bag, which is basically just a little, you know, bag that you fill up with the dirty water. Then you then screw the filter onto that and then squeeze the bag, squeeze the water through the filter into your clean container. Uh, and so you get, uh, basically I use those dirty water bags as the filter bag, but they're also just extra storage bags, right? So usually I have a two liter one, uh, and then I have a spare one liter one, um, which, uh, some, like I mentioned the other day in a podcast that probably hasn't aired yet, I use that spare one liter one. Um, as the last year or two, I started using that more. It's just like, I've actually filled that thing up and then throw it in my pack. And that way I know, um, no matter like at the end of the day, how much water is left in my bladder, I always have that one liter for, for cooking my dinner that night and for coffee the next morning. So I don't really have to stress too much about how much water is in my bladder as, you know, as the sun's getting down and I haven't come across a water source. So. Yeah. Um, and then the other, to me, a huge, huge advantage of that system is, is the quick connect to the bladder tube. So I can have the bladder in the pack um, and then basically like right around my shoulder harness, the, my neck, you just take scissors, you cut the bladder tube in half, you put a little plastic connector into each side that clips to each other, a little male-female part. And then when I fill up the dirty water bag, screw on the filter and on the other end of the filter is a, is the the male portion of that connector. So I just un- unclip my, uh, my bladder tube, clip that in, and I just filter water right into the pack. So never have to take the bladder out of the pack. Um, it's really simple, easy to do. Uh, I mean, there's just so many upsides to that system that, um, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how someone could 
you know, I'd like to hear the argument for a different system um, and debate it back and forth because I just I don't think it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to hit because we do get questions on this guys kind of see parts and pieces of the system. And it's honestly, I've got questions on it yesterday. Even we get questions quite a bit. What you just mentioned, Steve, on that, um, you know, being able to fill your bladder, essentially you're pushing clean water through your drinking tube into the bladder so as you mentioned you don't have to pull the bladder out that is a an add-on if you will i think it's sawyer calls that the fast fill hydration mm, kit yep, or adapter fill, kit yep, yep. Uh, yeah so yeah if you guys have a bladder already and maybe have a sawyer squeeze but you're not um you're curious on well how do you fill the bladder without removing it that's what you want is the fast fill adapter kit so you basically as as you mentioned steve you cut your drinking tube splice it where you'd like and then insert these um these pieces which make it quick disconnect both for your drinking mouthpiece as well as for the bladder itself um you know one thing to keep in mind too this actually just came up recently um a guy was i forget which bladder he had but he was talking about how the drinking tube was long and it was frustrating him and he was just going to trim it um so that it wasn't so long and he didn't have to manage the excess one mm-hmm. thing to keep in mind if you guys run into that situation, be careful with how much you trim. Specifically, this doesn't come up for like general backpacking, but specifically for hunting. If you're using like our pack or something similar with a load shelf, you have the potential when you fill your tag where you've now loaded meat against the frame and your bag is further away, which means your hydration bladder is further away. I've seen guys run into the issue where they have the hydration yeah. tube at the perfect length while they just have their gear, but all of a sudden they fill a tag, they put meat on the frame and now their hydration um, bladders further away because it's behind the meat and now their tubes too short. So that's something yeah. that yeah. I haven't heard really talked about, but I have seen pop up and like guys are like, Oh, I didn't think of that. So that's just a random something that popped in. My yeah. head on that one. No, that's something that I, I made the mistake of doing a few years back is, is trimming the tube too short. And then whenever I'm packing meat, I got to be like kind of position that thing perfect uh, as best I can. And then, you know, have it like held in by the webbing on the harness so that I could kind of like crink my neck over and it's definitely a pain in the butt. But it's one of those things that I've just, it's literally been a couple of years now. I think I have yeah. an address fixing you you know, with a, it. a $5 yeah. part, but I'm, and I've just dealt with it, <laughs> um, which, you know, like when you're packing meat, especially if it's hot, it's like as, as, best time as any that you need to be drinking a bunch of water so yeah we didn't hit um we didn't hit this specifically but also on this system you know when you buy the sawyer squeeze you can buy the filters individually but it's pretty common to get the kit which is going to come with your quote-unquote dirty bags um you know those are not ideal they they definitely have a life to them the dirty bags that come with the sawyer squeeze kit uh i know that you and i both steve have blown those out and we'd recommend, um, you know, at least after the first year or something, if not right away, um, using a better bag for your dirty bag. So something like a platypus, uh, it just yeah. has better life for sure. One, one trick you taught me, Steve, was cutting the Sawyer squeeze bag to basically use that as a, a scoop for kind of crappy water sources that don't flow well. So talk about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just, yeah, in my opinion, throw away the... Uh, well, not throw away, but just disregard the Sawyer Blatt bags that come with it. And yeah, um, they make a great little cup. So one of my first hangups when I first saw the the Sawyer filter systems 
was I was so used to having a pre-filter that you could drop into a little puddle, you know, two inches of water and filter out of. And I was like, how the heck are you going to fill this dirty water bag up uh, when you don't have like flowing running water? Because it's, you know, it's really nice to fill up when you you got a little waterfall, right? And you could just put the thing right there. But um, right, yeah, I basically just would take uh, take the Sawyer bag, cut it in half, make a scoop, and then you could just scoop up whatever. Uh, and it works really, really well. Um, honestly, like, I think the last couple of years, I haven't even had that in my pack, though. I just kind of deal with it. Um, or I've used my jet boil cup as a scoop and then poured that into the bag. But yeah, uh, platypus, platy bottles have been great. Last year, I did, um, I came across a, I think it was just an article online. Um, the one thing with the platypus bags is the threads. They don't align perfectly with the Sawyer threads uh, as, you're, as you're screwing it together. Um, in the past, I've always just used, uh, I had good luck with electrical tape. Just put a, bit of, a little bit of electrical tape on the um, platypus threads, and then, and then I got a tighter fit. Uh, but you definitely had to be careful with uh, without the electrical tape. You could over tighten that really easily, and all of a sudden it'd be it'd leak on you. Um, but I did come across there's a, a bladder. It's just on Amazon. It's called Evernew, um, E V E R N E W. Uh, bought one of those. I just pulled it up. I mean, it's the the two liter one's ten dollars, um, and I had really really good luck with that. I ran it uh, last year. The threads work great. Um, maybe. I, like literally grams heavier than the Sawyer filter uh, has been a great, uh, great solution and, and, and competitor alternate to to the platypus bottle. So check that out if you're looking into the system. Yeah, um, I wonder if they changed their threads along the way at all because I don't. I've never had an issue with my platypus, but they're all pretty hmm. freaking old as well. Oh uh, yeah, maybe I don't sure. Yeah, I've always. I mean, over the last five years, I've always had an issue here and there. So, um, something just maybe it's yeah. Yeah, you said. You just over tighten it slightly. You start to strip it out, and then it's it's a complaint I've heard often and, and experienced myself. So gotcha. And those other ones you said are ever new, like E V E R N E W. Yep, just type in ever new to water bottle and on Amazon, and it's um yeah, they're literally uh, ten dollars yeah. and eighty six cents. Cool. Back on the way up, just something we've hit on a little bit as well, but I guess you know it it does come up. Why why a bladder system versus a bottle in terms of drinking? Um, you know, I, I, at times will go to a bottle based on the hunt, based on the conditions, you know, sometimes for shorter hunts, specifically in colder weather. So you don't have to worry about your drinking tube freezing. Um, when we were in Alaska, we were drinking straight from the source. It was super nice just to fill up a bottle and go, but you can't really do that in the lower 48. So, um, but yeah, in your, in your experience, have you ever, what don't you like about a bottle? When do you use one versus a bladder? That type of thing. I just don't, you know, I'm not a big, yeah, not a big fan of the bottle. Um, I've had, uh, you know, geared, geared debates with guys that are all like a hundred percent bottle and hate bladders. Uh, yeah, the two knocks on a bladder, a, you don't know how much water is in the pack uh, or in the, in the thing when it's buried in your packs, so this could, could be frustrating. You're just kind of guessing. Right. Uh, and that's why I use that dirty bag as, um, started to use that as just like a, a guaranteed. I have one liter in there. I know it's there. I don't really have to stress too much about how much is in the bladder. Uh, but it is frustrating at times, right? You come across a creek, you're in the middle of a hunt. You're like, ah, I don't know if, you know, do I have two liters in there or do I have less than a liter? Like you're trying to like, how much water was I drinking in the last few hours? Um, so it's kind of annoying. Um, definitely a, you know, a, a pro or a, a con. 
And then, um, yeah, in extreme cold weather, uh, you know, I'd say it's got to be sub 20 degrees for that thing to like really, really freeze on you. Um, if you're, you know, I've always, um, sometimes I'm good about it. Sometimes I'm not when it's that cold. I mean, once you drink the water, then you just blow air back into it, blow the water out of the tube. And and, in general, it's not an issue, but the second you forget to do that, that freezes up and you have no access to your water. And that is a giant pain in the butt. I mean, plenty of times I've been on a hunt where I had to pull the bladder out of the pack, unscrew the thing and drink out of it. Right. Uh, just drink right out of the, the, the uh, bag. Um, so that's pain. Uh, I don't, other than blowing the air back out of it and just being diligent about it, there is no solution to it. Uh, so that's where guys start throwing in the, well, Nalgene's are awesome because A, I know it's very visible. I know much how much water I do have and, um, you know, it's not going to freeze. So uh, to me, the downside is capacity, weight, uh, they're just awkward and bulky and you've got this really hard, rigid thing that do you put that on your hip belt and have to deal with like that being in your way you put it in your pack and you, you know, you got to reach back for it. Um, you know, I think, uh, what, what I like about a tube is I drink water more consistently. It's, you know, four inches away from my mouth. I could just, you know, pop it in, take a little sip. And I, and I find that, uh, performance wise, I do better if I'm just really steady Eddie of drinking water all day long versus, you know, maybe you're, you know, that Nalgene's buried back in your pack and you can't access it and you, you, you don't drink because you don't want to deal with the hassle of getting it out. Right. Um, so, and then, uh, and then other guys are big fans that I've talked to are big fans of the SteriPin system and, and like how that works. And, and then the, the Nalgene obviously works really well with that. So, uh, cause I can just open the lid and, and put that thing in there and stir it for their 60, 90 seconds, whatever it is. So, you know, to each their own, I guess, find what works for you. And, you know, <laughs> to, to me, it, I'm a huge fan of the water bladder system, but, uh, um, yeah, whatever works for you. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a right or wrong, right? It's just, right. um, what do you prefer? What, uh, what do you, they both have trade-offs and, and what system do you, would you rather go with? Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'll do, especially on extended hunts is when I'm running a bladder system, I'll still bring some sort of small bottle and my go-to is a smart water bottle. So just go to the gas station, um, buy a smart water, that type of thing. There's several things I like about those. They're durable. They're incredibly light. They're obviously cheap. Um, the threads on those do also match the Sawyer Squeeze, so you can use it um, in a pinch for dirty water if you have to. But I'll basically always have one of those just because if I'm doing any sort of uh, drink mix, I like to keep my bladder just for pure straight water. So, you know, to break up the monotony of water on a week-long hunt, you know, I'll pack in crystal light packs or something like that or you know guys who do wilderness athlete that type of thing i'll typically reserve that for just a bottle and then shake it and so a smart water smart water bottle is a really good choice another thing i like about those bottles specifically is that um, for their capacity they're tall and slender which if you are using like the lower side stretch pockets on exo pack work really well just because they're slender they're easy to get in and out but then since they're taller um, they're just, yeah, they're just super easy to use. So if you are running a bladder, but you're looking for maybe a bottle just for drinks, um, the smart water bottle is a good choice. Something like a Camelback podium bottle works well. Um, but yeah, I'll usually run both of those, at least on an extended hunt. Um, how much, you know, we could talk about how much water capacity you kind of mentioned having three liters of dirty capacity plus your bladder and, 
we've talked before, like how much water you're actually carrying at any given moment is going to vary, especially based on the country you're hunting. You could be hunting elk country where you're in water, you know, every quarter mile. You could be on a mule deer hunt where water's 1,500 feet below you. So not necessarily how much water capacity do you need to carry, but I'm more curious, Steve, do you shoot for a target consumption of water per day? Um, I'm sure that might vary too based on weather and things, but do you you look at that at all? No, I don't. Um, I, I've never got that far into it. I I think obviously, um, gosh, we did a podcast with Brian Barney years ago. Um, uh, you'd have to maybe look that up what episode, but I remember being shocked at the time that he knew, like he knew exactly how much water he could get by with in a day. You know, he definitely like, and it was minimal. um, I want to say it was like, it was very liters, including like for his meals and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was very minimal, which was, um, you know, to me, my, my approach then and, and now is I, I drink it's like the more I drink a lot of water just at home during the day. I, I don't know how many, like 200 ounces of water a day. I mean, I just constantly have an algae. I know you're very similar. Every time I hang out with you, you always have an algae of some sort filled full of water and you're, you're just drinking. Um, I just feel better. The more water I drink, the more hydrated I am. So when I'm hunting, um, when water is plentiful, I drink as much as I possibly can. But when I'm, you know, some of our mule deer spots are very, very dry and, um, yeah, you got to start conserving. So I just, uh, I still drink frequently, just less, um, less amount. Right. So as I'm climbing up that hill and I start to feel thirsty, I'll, I'll take a couple sips versus sit there and kind of chug water for, for, you know, 10 seconds. So, um, I have not got to the point where I'm paying that much attention to it though. I just, um, you know, when I have it, uh, I drink it I, and I'll definitely, I guess, um, when I do come across a water source and water is scarce, I will just drink a bunch right then. Right. Um, just try to drink, you know, 30 ounces of water or something like that, uh, just to get that in my system and then fill up the, the bladder. So, uh, yeah, basically I always have a three liter in my pack and then, um, I have a, a two liter and a one liter in the pack, the dirty water bag. So at any given point, I can have six liters of water, and uh, there's definitely plenty of um, plenty of hunts and times scenarios where where you know you fill up all six liters and climb you know that fifteen hundred to three thousand feet up the mountain, whatever the heck it is, um, and uh, and that way you could stay up there for a couple of days before you got to come back down. So yeah, but I haven't. Uh, I have not measured like, okay, what's the bear, you know, can I, can I get by on 32 ounces of water a day? Or I've never really tried to do that. Um, just, uh, like I said, and I was like the last time I, it's been a few years since I was on a hunt where it was really, really critical. I remember Wyoming with a Wyoming deer hunt with Jason where we, there was no water up high and it wasn't like a bad, maybe it was like a thousand foot climb back down to the water source, but it was, uh, for whatever reason, it was enough that like you just didn't want to do it. It was a pretty crappy climb, you know, um, like shaley and rocky, just like straight down to that to a lake. And uh, um, we, I remember just yeah, we we camel up as much as we could with the intent to like, all right, we can make it two days, and then after two days, we got to come back down here, you know. So, I think your your water consumption would nearly double if you factored in the amount of coffee you intake. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, who knew we could talk about water for 20 minutes, but there you go. Drink water. <laughs> oh, easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on from water, let's talk about cooking, which is obviously related. You're going to need some water to cook in the backcountry, um, for the most part. 
we did i don't even know i know it was episode 90 i looked at that i didn't look at the date it's probably been three plus years easily um we talked about stoves and kind of did a stove comparison for backpacking stoves um i'm not sure that much is crazy yeah nothing's changed i I was gonna say i'm not sure that (laughs) much has changed since then so even though that episode's several years old i think it's still incredibly relevant um before we dive into specific models steve i guess hit some of like what are the things you want in a stove the things you look for the reasons you use a certain stove um obviously we will dive into specifics here but i'm just curious overall like what are some of those things you're looking for in a backpacking stove yeah, really, it comes down to how light is the system, how easy is the system to use, and how f- efficient is the system at using the the most the minimalist amount of fuel while boiling your water. Right? I mean, that's I have not um, I have no need yet to or branched into the type of stove where I can actually cook food back there. I'm just boiling water, uh, and you know, you go back to the review. Obviously, the the jet boil we decided was uh, the winner in that department. Just simple, light. Uh, unfortunately, they still haven't come out with a, uh, a version to compete with their titanium one. Um, everything's a little bit heavier. Uh, I think their new burners are a little bit more efficient, uh, and they can simmer. They can kind of run at a lower temperature. But I think that's like that's kind of the only advantage. Um, so yeah, just it's to me it's it's got to be light, uh, easy to use, and as efficient as possible. That's where the jet boil just kind of took the cake for sure. You know, I I was even I remember going back into that review where I'd used the jet boil for years at that point, and it was like ah, I almost like wanted to find something better, but it was almost like no, not really. Like there's there's certain things I liked about other options, and we talked in there. Like we we looked at the MSR wind burner, we looked at some of the um independent stoves meaning like the non-integrated systems such as like a optimus crux where the you have like the mm-hmm. stove and the pot and they're separate and all that but man it always comes down to that all-in-one system especially if your primary concern is just boiling water that's just the way to go um you know it, in terms of as you mentioned steve quickness and efficiency and honestly reliability um, I've been on that same jet boil for years and years and years at this point and still haven't replaced it. And I'll occasionally dig out one of those other stoves and use it. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's just something almost in a way, like don't overthink it. Um, and just, just get it. Like, especially if your primary concern is just boiling water. Um, if you're looking to get in a system, as you mentioned, Steve, you can cook in, you can have different attachments with, you can do, a frying pan on that type of thing. There could be potential certain benefits to go into a stove system that is a multi fuel um, stove for certain instances, uh, maybe trips to Alaska, that type of thing. Like there are times when it, it can be a pain to rely simply on a canister type stove. But even then, like when we were up in Alaska, we couldn't fly with that fuel, but it was easy enough to source when you get up there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's you know it's it's a pretty simple um, go-to piece of gear that you just don't need to overthink. One question that comes up a lot, Steve, is how much fuel is enough, depending you know on your hunt, and this can even be weather dependent. But like, how do you plan that out um, in terms of fuel consumption? Do you ever take a backup? 
Do you want to take a backup for certain conditions, certain length of trips, that type of thing? Yeah, I'd say the jet oil is so sticky. Like I all I know is is in in depth is the jet oil, right? Um, and after doing the test, uh, you know everything was confirmed on how efficient it is. Um, so I, honestly, I just shake a canister um, and get like, okay, that's at least half full. I'm good uh, if it's a weekend hunt, right? So if I'm say it's like a you know a three night deal. Uh, I know I'm good. I, you know, there's no way to, um, without just experience to do this. Right. Um, you know, if you're going in, if I'm going in for a week, I just have a f- brand new full, you know, small canister and know that I'm you know, going to be good. Um, I, it'd be almost impossible to use up that entire canister in a, in a week's long hunt. Uh, so again, and it's just such minimal use, right? It's, um, coffee in the morning, coffee in the afternoon and, and boil my dinner and, occasionally um you know maybe maybe i have a hot cocoa or something like that so maybe three times a day i'm heating eight ounces of water to drink and then uh the you know the one time a day i'm doing a meal uh for dinner so uh it you know i don't know how many boils a full canister can do but it's a lot uh and definitely is going to get you through a week so mm-hmm. um i haven't got i know you could obviously uh what I, haven't, I haven't done it but you can weigh a canister to, to find out how much fuel is in there so you just, uh, I think the information's online, but you know, full canister weighs so much and empty one weighs this. And, and then you could just know the grams difference. If you have a scale that can, can weigh in grams. So you could kind of get a good idea of, of how much is in there. And then, and I'll use, um, said I'll use full canisters, uh, on the bigger hunts. And then, uh, and then I, when I get canisters that are super low, uh, I'll just take a, Sometimes I'll take a Sharpie to them and then just stick them in a pile and just save those for day hunts where it's, you know, it's super low and, and not critical if I ran out. Right. So if I'm just going for the day and I, you know, want to make a second or third cup of coffee and I run out of fuel, like, OK, that sucks. But big deal. Um, that's where I use up the the rest of those canisters. And I do have a I bet you I've got 15 of them right on my in my backpack and shelf in my garage right now canisters that are almost empty but but not fully empty so just kind of chip away at those over time yeah this relates to food which we're going to discuss but in terms of just cooking do you pack any you mentioned you primarily aren't cooking with jet oil just boiling water at the same time do you pack any seasoning any oil anything like that so you fill a tag you want to cook anything in the field whether that's on a fire or a stove do you do that at all I don't, uh, almost everyone I hunt with does. Um, Jason's always really good about having a little seasoning packet. Um, his prized possession back there is killing a grouse when you can, uh, and killing a grouse and cooking over a fire. Uh, I don't do that that very, very often, you know, that's cause all Um, your buddies do. uh, You don't have have to. Right. Yeah. I don't have to worry (laughs) about it. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I'm just like, I want to say I want to say I'm all business when I'm back there. Like, all right, we're just we're here to freaking hunt and kill and not mess around. But it's not not necessarily true. But it's just not something I've really focused on too much. But plenty of guys do, and yeah, all for it. Every time I've been with Jason, and he gives me half a grouse, it's freaking delicious. So yeah, um, I would think uh, the longer duration hunt too, something like that would be pretty nice, right? Like day four or five to kill a grouse and cook that up and have some variant or or cook it up and then throw the little shreds into your mountain house meal or whatever you're eating to kind of add some different texture and flavor. Yeah. But uh, you pack seasoning, don't you? Yeah. I'll usually just have a little bit. Um, yeah. Whether it's for grouse, whether, yeah, you fill a tag and you're not packing it out immediately. I'm, 
I'm just usually the same way. Like as soon as the tags filled, it's all right. Like let's get out of here type thing. Um, not let's sit at camp and make a meal, but there, there are times when, you know, like, uh, kill bowl in the evening. Right. And you don't get the whole thing out that night. It could be cool to cook something up in camp. So yeah, a little bit of seasoning. I don't do too much. Yeah. Um, as you're saying that, I like, I, if I'm going backpacking in the summer with fishing pole, I absolutely have seasoning and foil. You right. Know, catch some trout, cook them over a fire. That's something that I would always do. W- one thing I overlooked early on, Steve, was like even a utensil. Um, obviously, you're always going to have one, like a fork or a spoon or a spork or what have you. But uh, just a pro tip for the guys who haven't done much backpacking yet is I've found the long handle utensil even though it's not as easy to pack because it's longer is so worth it, especially if you're eating out of, you know, call it mountain house or peak refuel or any of those bag style meals versus like fighting, putting your hand in the bag with a regular utensil. Um, so yeah, that's just a random pro tip on the utensils. The long handle is totally worth it. Do you do that? Uh, yeah, I've got, I don't know how I've had it for so long, but jet Boyle has a, a collapsible fork. So it's just plastic. Oh, the it extendable. Yeah, you pitch it together in the middle, it folds down, so it it's, goes from four inches to eight inches, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had it for, I don't know, man, probably eight shocking years or something like that. that long. Yeah. Because I've used, yeah, like, never some had those, an issue with it. Yeah, I've used some of those telescoping ones the, that go long, right? But I've always, they're just not, yeah, they don't hold up. But interesting that that's held up for you. Yeah, it's nice. been great. Um, but yeah, it's a, it is, a, like, you don't want a normal five or six inch spoon just trying to get down to the bottom of, of a freeze-dried meal bag can be a pain in the butt so yeah cool yeah the only other thing to hit while we're on cooking and this is you know random and a bit unique but um i've done i've gotten to doing my own dehydrated meals which we can talk about food here in a minute but because of that i was looking for a way to rehydrate those meals um you know, a freeze-dried meal to back way up is going to rehydrate much quicker, um, cook much quicker with boiling water than a dehydrated meal. They just take longer. And so it might be sitting for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes instead of call it 8 to 10 minutes on a freeze-dried meal or something like that. So I was just like, man, I want to keep it warm. And then I want a, a way to eat out of a bag easily. And then since I was packaging my own, it was like, you know, how do I pack them? And I kind of wanted to pack them as small as possible, which is great, but then they're not as easy to cook out of or eat out of. So I found uh, Ziploc makes a plastic jar um, with a twist top lid, which is a bit bulky. So at first I was like, oh, that's terrible. But I did think it would be perfect to rehydrate out of and then eat out of because it's, you know, it's a little more rigid Um, and actually took... um, what that stuff's called what's that it's like almost like bubble wrap but it's not and it's the foily stuff that's insulation i wrapped yeah yeah i wrapped the jar with that stuff taped it up so it's like a a pot cozy basically the only downside i found to it because it was incredibly light was that it was bulky but then i basically just started using that and putting my day's food in it so all day the the space isn't wasted. I have my day's food, snacks in it, so I'm constantly pulling stuff out of that through the day. By the end of the day, it's essentially empty, and then I'll just cook my meal in that. So I put in my dehydrated dry food, add my boiling water, has a twist top lid, it's insulated, cook out of it, eat straight out of it. It cleans up super easy, so I just pour in a tiny little bit of water, put the lid back on, shake it, 
um, and it's good to go. So it's it's uh, kind of a random little thing that I found that's really beneficial if you happen to get into dehydrating. Um, if you're just doing commercial food, maybe you don't need it, but it is uh, it actually works out pretty well and it fits in the lid of an EXO, like perfect, which is nice. I actually remember when we were uh, when we were going from the K2 to the K3, I was like, we can't change the lid dimensions too much because this jar fits in a K2 lid perfect, and so <laughs> it still has to fit in a K3 lid, which it does. Um, but getting on to food, um, this is you know we could spend an hour plus talking about this we've done food podcasts in the past um, episode 124 is a great podcast to hit just on the backcountry um, food options and really if you want to get pretty relatively scientific with okay how many calories do i need episode 124 is a great um, discussion on that with kyle from valley to peak nutrition he has a free nutrition guide as well through that. So definitely check out episode 124. If you're interested in dehydrating your own food at all, check out episode 126. Um, we kind of went in depth on that. And that whole process is honestly way easier than it sounds like. So don't be intimidated. But if you're interested in um, learning how to do that, or at least understanding what goes into dehydrating your own meals, check out episode 126 on that. In general, Steve, we don't have to like run through every single thing, but like, what are some of your go-tos when it comes to food? Go ahead and hit like a breakfast uh, go-to, your oh, midday, man. your dinner. Like, what's a normal day for you? Yeah, I I just keep things as simple and basic as possible, and then every year, you know, I'll um, <laughs> between like Amazon. Costco and Trader Joe's uh, I go to often they just typically have like more kind of random stuff that you don't see at other places um, I just kind of go there and I find you know um, just something new some type of different bar or something like that but it, in general it's not um, it's just like prepackaged processed stuff and uh, like I said I've never um, I mean I know talking with like Ryan Lampers that you know, he's way into the super healthy stuff. And I, and I think that makes you feel better over, over a, a long week long hunt. But it's, um, for me, it's just simple stuff, man. So Justin's almond butter packets. Uh, I always have those, uh, different types of protein bars, whether they be cliff bars or sometimes there's one year I had a bunch of ones from Gatorade. Um, man, I'm trying to, uh, think of different things. Um, I I used to pack them and stop for years and then start packing them again as just top ramen um, with like a little bit of tapatio, tapatio seasoning can be absolutely delicious like lunchtime snack um, salami crackers uh, always have a Costco like they have these single serve trail mix packets uh, that are good um, man yeah I, there's nothing fancy about it uh, gummy bears have become a regular staple after the last uh that, well the 100 mile death hike year uh those things are just awesome i used to do more like uh cliff shot blocks and stuff like that gummy bears basically the exact same thing and a lot cheaper um mm-hmm. so do do quite a bit of those uh but yeah i just keep it um you know it seems like for me uh you know i think a hunt for you Obviously, if you're going to come out west, it's this big planned out deal. For me, it's um, like, okay, work uh, work's going smooth. I'm going to take off, right? Like, And I run home, and I try to have my stuff fairly organized. 
uh, really the only thing I need to do is, um, is get food together. So I just have like this whole bin of food and I just start, um, just slap it together really quick. And I think I just shoot for, um, you know, minimum of 3000 up towards of 4,000 calories per day. Uh, so I just kind of count that and, and basically I'll do, um, I'll, I'll do one day and like line it all out there on the ground. Right. And then for whatever the duration of the hunt is, I'll just keep replicating that same day. So I'll just make sure I got my amount of calories that I need. Um, and then for, so it's a five day hunt. I just do that five times over, throw each one into, um, some type of bag. Uh, usually it's just a, like a Ziploc bag or a little stuff sack or something like that. So the days are broken out and call it good. Um, so there's no, I don't really have to like plan or process or, you know, cook the week before and cook a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, obviously it's, I don't think it's the healthiest, but it, it gets me by. I, I've seemed to feel pretty fine on a hunt. So, yeah. um, I know, I think you're more health side, not extreme, but more health side of more natural foods and stuff. Um, for me, it's mainly all processed crap. yeah i don't i mean i am i try to be somewhat but at the same time i also if it especially if it's a physical hunt and you don't have any sort of obviously you don't have any sort of diet restrictions allergies um, inflammation issues from diet that type of thing like i don't you don't have to be super picky um especially in a physical hunt hopefully like your body's just burning man um so no matter what it is but yeah, I would say, I mean, a few things come to mind and, and you hit on it, Steve, like with the gummy bears versus the cliff box, for example, is don't get caught up in the idea that you have to have like, quote unquote, backpacking food or performance food or hiking food for every, like that stuff is expensive. And if all you're doing is buying the specialized stuff, it's going to add up, especially if you're doing, you know, five to seven day hunt type thing. So yeah, just what you said, like, don't overlook costco or trader joe's or what have you and just get food like food that packs well that has some sort of shelf life that type of thing um yeah that i mean that's just you could go broke on the specialized stuff easy i said i i definitely the more processed stuff like lenny whenever i hunt with him uh we've i know i've joked about this before but he he'll literally like we'll be like day four of a hunt and he'll like reach in his pack and pull out like an entire eight inch you know tube of salami and some wheat thins i'm like what the like, you've yeah, been packing yeah. that this whole time uh but it's always <laughs> epic and he's always more than willing to share you know it's like oh, it tastes so freaking good after eating protein <laughs> bars for four days so uh but I, from a weight perspective you know that's where i come in of like i i like the um the pre-packaged things because it's super simple to look on the back and go all right how many calories are in this thing okay good you know um, versus some of the other stuff maybe is a little bit more methodical or it's not individually packaged already. So you got to, uh, kind of divvy it out, you know, all that crap. So, um, yeah, yeah. So much work like to it. weigh something so for much three work. seconds. But dude, yeah. I, just, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> I know I just take like simple and easy approach, you know, like let's limit as many barriers as possible. Cause sometimes it is the little things that, um, that make it feel like you, you can't go. And, th- and that's why So one of the things I've done is I, I literally in August about uh, scouting season time, I jump on and I just buy just bulk stuff. You know, I, in the last few years I've always ended up with extra to where like through January, I've still like got some protein bars that I'll go grab, you know, here and there, but I just buy all that, get it done with. And then that way, instead of in the heat of the moment, uh, I got everything. I don't have to make a trip to the store. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, we talked about in that other essentials of like my pack is literally the goal is to, when I get to the trailhead, I just slap my boots on and I throw my pack on and, and grab my bow or gun out of the case and go. Right. I'm not sitting there dividing up my food to the trailhead and messing with this or messing with that. So time is older. I get kids and work time is precious. And I just want to be as efficient as possible. Yeah. And it's one of those things I, um, food is, you know, there's almost these parallels, like we'd say all of the freaking time that boots are so personal, right? And guys get on and geek out about food, but it's really what works for you, you know, like not only from the, um, like say a performance perspective or a macronutrient perspective, what works for you, but even just like the palatability of stuff, like whatever sounds good, go with that. Because especially on an extended hunt, a week long hunt, you could pack like this, super high performance specialized whatever but if you're sick of that thing on day three or four and now you're not staying on top of calories and now you're starting to feel like crap and now like you just bonk like that's no good um so it's okay to like just pack what you like pack what works for you like you know yeah. it literally um a week-long elk hunt is about the only time out of the year i eat pop tarts but heck yeah i look forward to that every day you know it's having a pop tart <laughs> in there it's like whatever works man go for it like one of the things in the last couple of years has become a go-to for me is those, um, you can buy like a big giant bag or uh, jar of them or those peanut butter filled pretzels. Like those are a go-to. Like you said, the gummy bears are a go-to. Um, oh yeah. I did do the peanut butter pretzels last year. Those were delicious. Trader Joe's has some really good oh, yeah. unsalted ones. They were, oh yeah. Those yeah. are awesome. And yeah. I, yeah, I did. I did count out. I think I put See? like... 15 in a bag per day so yeah there you go <laughs> you when you were saying that earlier though you reminded me of uh, you go back to the podcast we did with with every um when he the pct and and literally oreos were his staple man you just munched on oreos nonstop. But, yeah and he was pretty um, funny he had some sort of formula yeah. of like i can hike four miles on a double stuffed oreo or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's good yeah. and then and just, i take uh yeah that, i a lot, kind of same lines i do just I eat a lot of small meals during the day. I'm just constantly munching. Um, when I do stop, um, you know, I'll put a granola bar in my pocket or something like that, uh, or a hip belt pouch, and and I just kind of munch on it. I find that I perform better with like just more of a steady dose versus like sitting down and eating more of a, a meal, right? Um, I just kind of always have a snack handy that I just kind of munch on. For your main meals, what, because you've bounced around, obviously, you used to do Mountain House, yeah. like everybody, um, and now there's way more options. What are some of your go-tos for, like, main dinner type meals? Um, man, uh, Heather's Choice, uh, got some of her, some of her meals um, I definitely don't like, and some of them I like, or the chili one, uh, I can't remember the name of it, it was really good, the spaghetti one I thought chili, was really good. Yeah, um, so those, I got a couple of those last year, you know. A box of them and and uh, had those uh peak isn't you know relatively new on the scene i don't know if it's been three or four years now but they've almost everything i've had by them seems to be good and they, they seem to be a good compromise between um mountain house and heather's choice i think heather's choice is probably gonna be on the healthier side of everything um and i don't know why i'm saying this is just my assumption i guess uh peak seems to be kind of in the middle and and then you got mountain houses which i don't know why everyone assumes are the worst but um they just seem more processed like that, like the, the cheese, right. And a mountain house lasagna yeah. just stuck to your, like that is not food. Uh, <laughs> like it can't be food, you know, like crusted yeah. onto your fork for like two years after, unless you really break it off of there. Yeah. Uh, 
And then Off Grid has some really, really good stuff. Uh, I've been super impressed by them. I know you're a big fan of their breakfast meals. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Those, like, they're... I guess that's... I think they're predator yeah. fuels, what they call They're protein oatmeal things. Those are... I don't always... In fact, most of the time I don't, like, especially on a September hunt, I don't do a warm breakfast, but on a colder hunt or just a more laid back hunt when I make a warm breakfast, or I'll even occasionally do it for lunch, um, if I'm going to fire it up and boil some water and have some time, those are the, those are the way to go for sure. I really like those. Yeah. Um, and then a new one that we just saw, I actually haven't even had it yet, uh, or had them. Um, but there was a company in Portland called Stowaway Gourmet when we were there at the Portland show, um. And I had a, like three different people come up to me and be like, hey, have you checked these guys out? Um, and so uh, we, I think we went over to them and, and got like a sampler pack. And one of these days at the office, we we're going to cook up a handful of them and test them out. But uh, Pat, who works for us, went over there and like sampled some of the stuff they had and it tasted really good. Seems uh, more on the Heather's Choice like side of things, like on the super healthy side and, and pretty expensive, 15 plus bucks per meal or something like that. And then, um, yeah, obviously we've talked about it. You've gotten great about dehydrating your own stuff. And, um, uh, every time I have a dehydrated meal from, uh, Callie, Tyler Boschman's wife, uh, I say I'll never, ever eat another, you know, store-bought freeze-dried, uh, dehydrated meal again, but uh, I'd always default back to that out of laziness, I guess. So yeah. convenient, <laughs> but they are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I would just if anybody's interested in the dehydrating stuff, go listen to that podcast one twenty six. It it is easy. Yes, it takes some time, um, you know, upfront and a little bit of money. It doesn't have to be expensive at all. But in terms of the process, it is super easy. You can make a lot of stuff you normally make anyway, um, and just dehydrate it when it's done. So like chilies, that type of thing. Spaghettis are super easy to do. Uh, some of my go tos are mixing, like ground game like elk meat or what have you with some rice and some black beans make like a cajun type thing like there's just endless possibilities on dehydrating that's super easy so but yeah like anything else steve i would say that i think for both of us um it always comes back to simplicity and like everything else gear wise even for food it's what's simple what's easy what's not going to waste time or take away from the hunt because in the end we're not out in the backcountry to be chefs we're out in the backcountry to enjoy the backcountry and to hunt and do all that and so the the minimal amount of time and effort and like hassle that even food and water and all this stuff we talked about today takes is ultimately what's going to be uh helpful you know in terms of just mm -hmm. allowing you to hunt and not focus on all these things yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, um, hopefully that was helpful for you guys. And then, as we mentioned, those previous podcasts um, might be go uh, good to go back and check out. So the stove review is episode 90. Um, the food and performance and kind of calorie macro breakdown was episode 124. The dehydrated food was episode 126. And as always, if you got questions, just give us a shout to podcast at exomountaingear.com.